which I, because I remember I tried to sign up for it because I was like, oh, this is like on TV. <laughs> I was so hyped. I like, because I saw like, and I was like, oh, I, and I went to my counselor. I was like, everyone this is alex and this is m welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the first three seasons of the landmark ABC and WB sitcom, Sister, Sister. This series follows our protagonists, twins who are separated and individually adopted at birth. When they reunite during a chance encounter, and both they and their adoptive parents work at being an integrated family. Sister Sister was and still remains one of the most unique sitcom premises of all time, dealing with often very heavy themes such as twin separation, adoption, found families, and personal identity with just enough levity. So what made this series such a hit? What was it about Sister Sister that made the Maori twins household names? Stay tuned. everyone so here's some background information on sister sister the series is a sitcom created by kim bass gary gilbert and fred schaeferman it was released from april 1st 1994 until may 23rd 1999 it aired on abc for the first two seasons and then the wb for the last four seasons it aired for a total of six seasons and 119 episodes the series stars Tia Maori as Tia Andrea Landry, our protagonist, Tamara Maori as Tamara Ann Campbell, our other protagonist, her twin, Jackie Harry as Lisa Landry, later Lisa Landry Sims, Tia's adoptive mother, uh, Tim Reed as Raymond Earl Campbell, aka Ray, Tamara's adoptive father, Marquez Houston as Roger Evans, their neighbor and friend from seasons one through five. And as for our supporting cast, we have Ron Rako Lee as Tyreek Scott, Tia's boyfriend from seasons five through six. Dion Richmond as Jordan Bennett, Tamara's boyfriend from seasons five through six. Brittany Murphy as Sarah, Tamara, and then later Tia's best friend in season one. Dorian Wilson as Terrence Wing, Win, excuse me, Dorian Wilson as Terrence Winningham, uh, Lisa's boyfriend and later fiance in seasons two through three. 
Anna Slotkey as Denise Mondello, the twins' friend and co-worker in seasons two through three. Victor Tugunde as Steve Pizer, a.k.a. Stinky, Tia and Tamir's manager at Rocket Burger in season two. Bianca Lawson as Rhonda Coley, Tia and Tamara's bully and rival in seasons one and two. Gabrielle Union as Vanessa, the twins' friend in seasons four and five. Rolanda Watts as Vivica Shaw, Ray's girlfriend in season five. Christopher Reed, a.k.a. Kid, as Clark, the manager at Bookham Joe, uh, who's Tia's boss in season five. Santa Moses as Dot, the twins' friend in season five. Rachel Harris as Simone Flosser, the twins' friend in season six. Alexis Fields as Diavion Johnson, the twins' best friend, seasons five through six. Richard Lawson as Victor Sims, Lisa's boyfriend and later husband in season six. Um, Tony Carrero as Matt Sullivan, a.k.a. Um, Matthew Sullivan, Tia and Tamara's professor, and later we come to find their biological father. This is in season six. So these are some of our major players or the people that will have the most impact on the series, but the show is filled with lots and lots and lots of guest stars. So let's get into it. The first season is 12 episodes long, aired on ABC, and uh, obviously, we never seen Tia and Tamara in anything else. They were, I believe, 14 years old when that first season started airing. And so ABC was tentative. They gave them 12 episodes. Let's talk about those 12. Yeah, so, sister, sister. So, like, I had revealed to you later on that um, I, this was my first time, like, actually really watching this show. I'm never, I remember it, like, being on, and I was, like, aware of it, but I, and I think I maybe, like, watched, like, a episode, like, half of an episode, but I never, this was never my show. So this is my first time, like, watching it completely in full. Yeah, I mean, I think what struck out to me the most was that three men created this show. Oh um, yeah, really? Yeah, I mean, well, Kim Bass, he has he has a lot of TV experience, very good experience. Like he worked on In Living Color, he worked on Keenan and Kel, so he's worked with black people on black sitcoms and kids shows before. But the idea that three men would create a show about twin girls um, separated and adopted separately at birth and pull it off so well was really really interesting to me. Um, Kind of how um, finding out that uh, there were two Jewish writers behind the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, or two Jewish creators. Um, I think I think for a lot of the the way that the shows work and operate, it's that at least I feel for this particular show, they took a lot of the cues from the, the our protagonists themselves. You have twins playing twins. You only have to observe them to observe the way that that relationship should look on camera, right? Yeah. Um, but basically in the pilot episode, we have the twins, Tia Landry and Tamara Campbell. They are at the mall with their respective adoptive parents and they meet for the first time. And of course they're like shook by this. They already knew they were adopted. Um, you know, but they didn't know that they had a twin and neither did their parents. Uh, so, um, you know, 
Tamara's being raised by a single father. Tia's being raised by a single mother, which I also thought was a really, really great idea as well, that we would show single Black people, you know, as adoptive or um, in other cases as foster parents, because we rarely see that, right? We rarely see single people being represented among adoptive parents. But they meet, of course, they want to stay together, but Lisa has a job offer in St. Louis, and they want to be together. So Ray decides to move Lisa and Tia into his home so that their girls can stay together. Right. Which is really interesting. And I think it makes that that first season dynamic of their, their family super interesting and compelling. I, I did think that. Right. I thought it was really interesting, too, um, that... Um, I felt that the parents handled this very well and by handling this very well made the whole situation not about them and about their children and the welfare of their children. Cause they could have so easily been like, listen, I adopted one kid. I didn't sign up for this twin shit. <laughs> like, I know she's your sister, but we have email. You can call her up on the phone. It's going to be all right. But you know, moving a stranger and Lisa, is a stranger, Tia is a stranger, into your home is kind of a huge deal. Moving into a stranger's home is a big deal, right? Right. And I do appreciate how when they, I mean, in regards to the premise, like, I do appreciate, like, within the first or second episode, they do sort of say, like, oh, it's it's really fucked up how um, the hospital separated these twins. <laughs> And then just let them be adopted by two different people. Right, right. And I think some acknowledgement of that was definitely necessary. You know, um, adoptees often talk about how adoption is inherently traumatic to be taken away from your birth family. But, um, you know, case studies are are pretty compelling that twin separation uh, separation is just as traumatic, if not more so. Um, And I think that now knowing that they have a twin, that this person exists, that they have a biological family member, and then to be separated from them again would have probably been so detrimental to the both of them. And so I feel like this premise and the way that this pilot dealt with that was really, really, really well done. They, I think they, they dealt with it well without ever being too heavy. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, great pilot. We get to know a little bit of the twins' personality. Like Tia is the more studious twin and Tamara... Tamara's not stupid. Tamara just lacks focus. Tamara's very flighty. Um, Tamara comes up with these ridiculous schemes, as we will see later on in the series. But Tia's the more grounded twin. Um, so I, I like that that varying in their personalities. Because often in sitcoms prior to this, t- twins were often treated as like uh, a person and their carbon copy like having the same personality and having the same thoughts. This was very, very common in 80s and 70s sitcoms to portray twins in that way, um, rather than as two different people who happen to look alike. Um, right, 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 right. So um, also Brittany Murphy again, young Brittany Murphy on Sister, Sister. Yeah, we love her. She was love their her. best friend in season one. And the, the show basically makes it clear that other than their parents, she's really the only person that can tell them apart. Like, right. She has like <laughs> um, this like 
kind of like legit role like and and she has it like throughout courses of episodes because then there's like an episode where like they all have like this slumber party and then they like Brittany Murphy's boyfriend like wants to come over or whatever and now they gotta like finesse like her boyfriend into the slumber party or something for a reason (laughs) I remember that. That was episode three. No, but um, she was actually supposed to be their best friend for the duration of the series. And her character was supposed to get larger and larger. But she left after season one to film Clueless. Oh, right. And then I'm sure after that, like her. And yeah, and then after that, I think her career just sort of took off. Brittany Murphy is a compelling actress. Don't believe me? Watch Girl Interrupted. Um, Actually... If you're going through a depressive period right now, don't watch Girl Interrupted. Wait till you're in a better mood and then watch Girl Interrupted. (laughs) Uh, But um, I was so happy for her. Um, But yeah, Sarah was supposed to be like a much larger character. She was supposed to be like that that, um, female supporting character to Roger's male supporting character for the duration. Um, But, you know, things happen. But Sarah was a really cool character while she was there. And she, her, she touched on something that you touched on when you were watching the series, how, you know, the twins seem to be all about each other. So Sarah was originally Tamara's best friend. But then when Tia shows up into the picture, she's like, it's all about you and your sister. I feel like you're not even my friend anymore. And it's like, I'm sorry, sis, but I have a sister. And I didn't think that I would. Ha- I had a sister and that I had a twin out in the world. And so Sarah, Sarah and I feel to a smaller extent, Roger are kind of used to show the audience how their personalities have shifted since they've come into each other's lives. Right. Or their priorities rather. I'm sorry. Their priorities have shifted since they've come into each other's life. But beyond Lisa and Ray, who are also very different personalities, ironically enough, Lisa's personality is more like Tamara's and Ray's personality is more like Tia's. (laughs) They have a hard time getting along in the first couple of seasons because they're very, very different people. Ray is a steady businessman. He owns a very successful limousine service. And Lisa's kind of flighty. She kind of lacks focus and direction, but she is a seamstress and she's trying to get her clothing line fashions by Lisa off the ground. But she has a lot of schemes similar to Tamara. Um, her schemes don't often work, but they're fun to watch. Right. <laughs> they are fun to watch. Also, Lisa's dating life also becomes very <laughs> fun to watch as well. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, Lisa and Ray being single people, I feel like, especially because at the end of this season, in episode 12, they kiss, was setting us up for a uh, situation where Lisa and Ray would end up being together. The show ultimately doesn't go that route, and I have to give the writers credit because I feel like that was the easier road to take. (laughs) I was about to say, like, that's one of the things I actually really liked um, was that they they do kiss, but then they're like, uh, no, <laughs> um, right? Because uh, like that, I think that can that makes the dynamic. I think it just makes the dynamic between their family more compelling for me, um, in a lot of ways. Right, I think so too. I think, like I said, it would be, it would have been the easier road to take to have Lisa and Ray end up together. 
tie this up in a bow happily ever after. But families are not that cut and dry. Um, things are not always that easy. Um, sometimes you just got to copy, paste, and edit and get in where you fit in and there's going to be loose strings. And the way the family dynamic is handled of we're not dating, we're not a couple, we're doing this for the children and keeping that focus on the fact that they're doing this for Tia and Tamara, not because they have a secret romance of their own, I think made made everything, every decision they made concerning their children that much more sincere. Right, <clears throat> right. Because imagine uh, if they had started dating and then they broke up, then how does that work if y'all still living in the same house? It ruins the dynamic and it makes... It'll, it makes things awkward for the girls in a way that would really suck. Um, and I like that they're cognizant of that. That's, that's impressive. It is. It really, really is. And like I said, it would have been such an easy way out, even in many, many seasons later, for Lisa and Ray to end up together. But I feel like the kiss aside, their relationship is more like siblings also. Like they 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 end up caring about each other a great deal and really looking out for, them. but it doesn't get romantic and it doesn't get sexual and I think that just that just creates I feel so much so much uh, it leaves room for much richer storytelling especially when you know we take into account Lisa's boyfriends and Ray's girlfriends it just makes the show much more fun to watch. Definitely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, other other sort of characters. We meet Roger, a young <laughs> Mar. I can never say his name correctly. I don't Marquez. Know. Yeah, Marquez Houston. I would yeah. think that I was. I want to call him like Marquis because I used to know a Marquis. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, he's the only person I've ever heard with the name Marquez. <laughs> um. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Marquez Houston, uh, who I think is so adorable. He looks so cute. He is. So, like, okay, so full disclosure, Marquez Houston was actually the reason why my sister and I started watching Sister Sister in the first place. We saw him, we saw him in the adverts, and some of y'all might be too young to remember this group, but there was a black boy band in the early to mid-90s called Immature. Later on, they became IMX, but they were Immature, and um, it was Marquez Houston and two other people. Um, and um, they were in this group. They had a couple hits like um, uh, um, I Will Never Lie Again was one of their really, really popular ones. But he was out here. He had a whole singing career before he was on Sister Sister. <laughs> yeah. And then he had um, one again, I guess. Yeah. And he had one again afterward. Um, so... Um, he was the only person besides Jack Hay, because I knew Jack Hay, Harry, she had played Sandra on 227. Um, they were the only people from the cast that were familiar to me. Um, and then we ended up, you know, watching the show, liking the the twins, and it was it was all good. But um, Marquez Houston definitely made a very risky transition playing Roger on Sister Sister, because in Immature, he was like 12, but... They had him and the other boys oiled up in all the music videos. I guess they were supposed to be like preteen bulls or whatever. Um, he took a huge risk playing someone like Roger. Roger was nerdy. Roger didn't get girls. Roger wasn't a ladies' man. But Roger was really great move for his career because I'm I'm sure he's still cashing those checks. 
Yeah, I mean, he he has like sister sister checks. He has like B two K checks. He has <laughs> right um, immature checks. He's just he's good. Mm-hmm. Living, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so this move to acting for him, I feel was long overdue. He's like, yo, I got to take a break from this. I'm gonna try my hand at acting, and he played this Roger character, and um, Roger was actually really really popular. Right? Um, Go Home Roger became, like, synonymous with Sister Sister. (laughs) It it did. I mean, that's the only... Like I told you, I had never watched this show, but I knew, like, Go Home Roger. Like, I knew that, like, that was, like, a thing. (laughs) So, um, it it was powerful. Power. Their power. Right, Um, right. Oh, something else that, like, really struck me about the show how sort of unabashedly, um, I don't want to say how black it was, but uh, I think I do have to say that. Or I was just taken taken away by like the nostalgia of it all. But um, I was like, oh, I was really, I was thinking to like Fresh Prince and I think maybe Moesha is different. I think Moesha will be similar to Sister sister in this way but uh obviously you know fresh prince is a very black show like will smith was like huge um so like him being in it him being like on the show and then like all those guest stars of the 90s who were so who were so powerful like all those all those black girls were who were so powerful at that that moment obviously the show's like super black but Sister, sister was like, I guess I was like, you know, I guess I was just taken back, but I was taken in by like, you know, when Tia and Tamara are like on the bus and they're like, oh, like I want a guy who's like a little bit of like Will Smith, like smiles like, like this other sort of like, you know, Lorenz Tate, like them sort of the fact that like it was in the dialogue and then like, you know, Tevin Campbell is like playing like under... Kevin Campbell and, like, Tony Braxton and, like, all these, like, songs are, like, playing under um, scenes and stuff. I was just like, wow, yeah, this show is, like, so yeah. 90s. Like, and, but it was, it, but it was also different to me because, like, it, them, I guess, like, referencing or, like, having that, I guess, that point of, like, focus. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I um, get it. I mean, don't forget, Tamara was also a huge Coolio fan. Yes, Coolio. Like, she was obsessed with Coolio. Um, <laughs> the fact that, like, he's even mentioned, because, like, you know, rap is so... Even in the 90s, like, rap was so, like, scary to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, these artists were, like, so frightened. Like, well, I guess, like, they were scary to white people. Um, but, no, they were scary to, like, other people as well. Um it's it was it felt so I was like oh shit like okay I get why people really fuck with like the series right 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 we we never forgot in small and I think this is what the 90s 80s and even 70s black sitcoms did so well you didn't have to talk about race in order to remember that these people were black in a lot of modern shows I feel like the black characters are written in such a way as to be race neutral Anything that might be considered culturally black is just removed from their lexicon and from their personality. Yes, 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 (laughs) 
Yes. Like it's 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 sad. It's sad that we had to go this far back to see black, but mm, or, it is or, what it is. And then like now, like it's like now it's awkward because like it's still not. It's they still do that, but then in order to try to like fix it, they're like, do you? They'll have like this black character be like, do you know that I am a black woman? <laughs> it's like yeah, right, right, <laughs> like like. Do race-neutral things all season and then declare your blackness at the 11th hour. At the 11th hour because they erase all the sort of cultural markers of blackness. Right. Um, and it's like they're... And I, it's it's valuable to look at and it's valuable to see um, because I guess for what I was trying to say is that there, there is a way to sort of write that uh, or to like to hit that without, mm-hmm. you know these weird awkward declarations of like i am a black woman (laughs) right 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 like just basically stop writing um race blind characters if you're writing if you if your intention is to cast a black person write a black character like a lot of these characters my issue with them is that they're written in such a way that they can be played by anyone of any race, which is fine for specific genre, but um, it's not okay. And it's certainly not something that I want done all the time, especially when these writers' version of race blind is to write, you know, characters who behave like white people for the most part. Right, right. And it, ha- and it has its moments, right? It, it has, <clears throat> that type of writing is, is valuable, <laughs> And necessary, but like there is, but it has its moments, and there is so, something. There's something intangible. Well, not mm-hmm. intangible because we're talking about it, but there's something <laughs> that um is is tangible and it's noticeable when it when it shows up. And I guess it's just a matter of, I don't know. I guess we're all still f- figuring it out, right? But but there is right. something there, and I think it's just it's something that's worth noting and and worth sort of continuing to think about. Right. Even Tia and Tamara's hair for me was like a huge cultural marker of blackness because I remember when they started straightening their hair, they would, they would do these zigzag parts in their hair. And that was something that a lot of R and B songstresses were doing at the time. SWV did it. Total did it. Me and my sister did it too. Same. Yeah. I was going to say the same. (laughs) You know, my hair was not zigzag part. <laughs> right. Like the zigzag part was it. Um, I didn't even look good with a middle part, to be honest. I, I don't have Damn, the face. I look retreat. so bad with middle parts. <laughs> like my hair has to be parted. Like, it looks decent to the right, but it has to be parted to the left for me to be like at peak. But <laughs> you better believe I did that middle part with the zigzag. <laughs> <sighs> But, um, you know, just small things like that to kind of remind you of what you're dealing with. Um, you know, I probably say the last black family show to do this was Parenthood. Um, the one starring Robert Townsend and Reagan Preston Gomez. Um, the last show where I was like, okay, these are black people. <laughs> the very last one. And that, that hurts my heart. But let's talk about your favorite episodes of season one. Okay, favorite episode, season one. So I really like um, three, Slumber Party, Wedding Bells and Box Boys, seven, The Pimple, the uh, nine, The Birthday, 
uh, 11, Mother and Other Strangers, and um, 12, The Concert. Okay, my favorites would absolutely be The Pilot, which is The Meeting. Great episode, great pilot. Number four, Cheater, Cheater. Number five, also Wedding Bells and Box Boys. Great episode. Number six, Out Alone. Number eight, Car Trouble. I love those episodes. Now, it should be noted this season, T and Tamara are in eighth grade. So this is their last year of middle school because we go into season two with them being high school freshmen. Um, so what do we think of season one? Is it good, bad, or basic? Um, for the most part, good. I really like season one. They're, you know, I love shows with black girls where like black girls get to have like their girlhood. Because we so often don't. (laughs) Yeah, because we so often don't. So a lot of this felt really wonderful to me. Um, I love all the sort of formative stuff, like, um, you know, seeing, like, slumber parties and, like, you know, she's stressed out about her pimple and, like, all that stuff is, like, really cute to me. And so I, it's, it's a solid good for me. Right. It is a solid good for me as well. It's nice to not have... The all the storylines and all the gags be centered around black trauma. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> season two. Season two was significantly longer than season one. Season two gave us nineteen episodes. This was also the last season that would air on ABC. Um, you know, before the show, the show got sent over to the WB. So I think I, you will talk about this when we talk about season three. But there is a shift. Um, of, you know, treating the girls like they're older. It's not a bad shift at all. I do believe that they kept the character integrity. But this last season on ABC, which, you know, follows the girls in their first year of high school, I thought was a, was really, really good, nostalgic. Um, it's probably one of my favorites. I'll say that right now. Um, but it opens up with Tia and Tamara getting ready for their first day of high school, uh, Tamer- Tia gets like a really bad makeover. Tamara looks really, really good. Um, this is the first, um, episode two is also the first of three episodes where their younger brother, Taj Maori guest stars. On um, this episode, he guest stars as a cousin. There's another episode later on where he- there's a smart guy crossover and he's playing TJ Hend- Hendrickson their tutor for the SATs. And then there's like a third episode where he plays like a kid at the mall um, when they go to see Santa. Um, This is the nineties. They just keep recycling guest stars and hope that you don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) This, this season I thought was really, really good because they're past that, like that, uh, that hump, that getting to know you or how are we going to make living together work thing? And they're kind of more smoothly integrated as a family. Right, right. So definitely season two is, is you know, their their family dynamic is becoming smoother. More hijinks in, ensue, basically. Right. And I love the hijinks. Give black girls hijinks. Give black boys hijinks, too. But I feel like we need hijinks more because we see it less. Give them ridiculous harebrained schemes. Give them minimal priorities, like getting their hair to look right or getting rid of a pimple. This is the th- stuff that children should be worried about. Exactly. Uh, second season, RuPaul shows up and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see how 
RuPaul's just been in the game for so long. He's really, you know, he's really been out here um, grinding in these streets. But back to Tia and Tamara. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things I remarked to you, and I still feel this way, but... um, but it's it's a minor it's a minor it's a very very minor minor note. I think I as like we were watching the show, I think I did want I think less boy craziness from the girls. Um and I sort of realized it like watching it like why this wasn't my show probably is because there is a lot of like stuff about boys like almost almost I think to the detriment of this show. But but not quite. So it is, it, like I said, it's a minor note. But um, there, you know, where I think is, whereas like Fresh Prince and Boy Meets World, um, and even Moesha, I think, to to a big extent, were focused on like their friends or like their like you know what they're doing in school or like doing other stuff like. Uh, or just sort of all these other like random stuff. I do think Sister Sister almost falls into this trap of like making everything that Tia and Tamara does like solely for the like the the pursuit of like boys, and that sort of like bugged me. But it's very minor. This is a minor note. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think about shows like The Fresh Prince. Will was absolutely girl crazy. We just don't, we just don't think about it in the same way because people don't often use that word. Like we expect teenage boys to be in pursuit of girls all the time. Um, and as far as Moesha, yeah, she wasn't boy crazy, but that's because she was fixated on the same boy all through high school. And I think that's actually what bothered me about Moesha that I liked about Sister Sister. I don't think it's healthy. I I didn't have the vernacular to say this at the time because I was a kid watching these shows, right? But like as an adult, I simply don't think it's healthy to for a teenage girl or portrays uh, portrayals of teenage girl to be. I have this like one big love in high school, and I have this serious relationship as a teenager. Like, girl, bye. You're 15. Could we not? Can we not get hung up on like the first cute boy that you ever meet? Um, <laughs> I hate that. I hate, 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 hate portrayals of girls. Um, getting basically stuck on that one high school boyfriend or that one middle school boyfriend and carrying it on forever. That was a huge issue that I had with the Topanga Lawrence character as well. I'm like, you can do better, girl. Right. <laughs> no. I, I, you know, Moesha dates a lot of guys. She just doesn't, you know, she gets hung up on Q, but like, I think Q is more to piss off Frank more than anything. <laughs> Which... I, I'm always so see, in agreement but, with things that are about pissing off Frank. While Tia and Tamara were, you know, a little bit boy crazy, particularly Tamara, um, I will say that I like the fact that they dated a lot. Um, I probably felt that way as a girl who was not allowed to date. <laughs> I like the fact that they dated a lot. I felt I like the fact they never really got too hung up on any one boy, and they, it was always like my sister first, um, and that they didn't really have serious long-term boyfriends until they were like seniors in high school that I enjoy I like seeing them play the field I never really got to see black girls play the field with the exception of Walona the sister on good times who always like was rotating boyfriends always going on a date I never really saw that for black girls black girls are very much in the she doesn't date because she's a good girl or she dates the one guy 
um, and ends up making it work with him because she's a good girl. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, season two. So season two. Um, what what? So what are some episodes that stand out for you in season two? Or like some things that you remember. Pretty much any episode start with where um, we deal with with Lisa and her love life because she she starts dating Terrence, the grocery store manager, this season, and they actually end up getting engaged um, this season, but eventually break up because he's a cheater. Um, any episodes dealing with her, I thought were good because I felt like the the Lisa character needed more exploration. Um, so episode one, hair today. The first day of school episode was really really good. Episode two, get a job, was also great. I like the fact that they made the girls get a job. I thought it was really, really good um, to to make them get a job. Not because the financially was hard, the family was hard up financially, but because they needed to be taught responsibility. Episode seventeen, Operation Deja Vu. This is the one where they get their appendixes removed and they find out that they were born in that particular hospital. Episode eight, Tattoo. Uh, Tia does a very dumb thing and gets a tattoo as a symbol of love for her boyfriend. Dumb teenage shit. That's I like that. <laughs> dumb teenage shit. <laughs> episode nine, two for the road. Oh, episode twelve, put to the test where they take the SATs was a good episode. What is the episode where Lisa tells her boyfriend that she loves? Him? Oh, episode nineteen, I do question mark where Terrence proposes to Lisa. Great episode. Season two, I really liked. Uh, actually, I liked all those ones as well. Uh, Hair today was good. A tall tale uh, is good. Five, it's a love thing is really good. Ten, it's a party thing is funny. Uh, they they throw like a party. It's always those are always really cute episodes. Put to the test. Uh, that's like an SAT episode. Also, that's the one where RuPaul shows up. 15 scrambled eggs you know there's always like a high school episode where they like go to quote-unquote home ec class and Mm -hmm. they have to like quote-unquote marry someone and like start a family those those episodes are always great they never fail um question why did i go to high school and home ec wasn't even an elective same same (laughs) these these episodes really set me up for huge disappointment huge disappointments i think it really used to be a thing well here's the thing i will say and it's really fucked up home ec was like an elective at my high school but like basically there's this tracking system it's super racist and like really fucked up and like you're and when you are and when you get to high school you're immediately tracked and like this is a thing that's like it's this this tracking system. It's it's this is something that's like something I think nationwide in the U.S. and it's really fucked up and it's really racist and like there are lots of scholars who talk about this and you can Google them and find out like why this is something that we have to get rid of. But um, there's a tracking system and like you're you're automatically tracked. You don't even get to pick. But basically, when you enter high school, you you're tracked to either like college prep. Or like you're you're put on the other track, which is basically just like prison to pi- like school to prison, school to prison mm-hmm. pipeline. That's essentially what it is. Um, but they call it like they call it something else. They call it like um, I think like, it's called career track or vocation track, right? Yeah, yeah, career vocation. I was gonna say trade, trade track. 
but so if you were in college, if you were, if you took college prep, if you were in college track, which I was, um, home ec isn't available to you as an elective to take even, but like if yeah. you're on career vocation track, it, it, it was, which I, cause I remember I tried to sign up for it. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like on TV. <laughs> I was so hype. I like, cause I saw like, and I was like, Oh, I, and I went to my counselor. I was like, Oh, I want to take the home ec class. And they're like, no, well, like you're not allowed. And I was like, what do you mean? And it's like, you, they're like, you're on college track. Like that's only for like vocation and trade track, which really upset me. I was really upset because I wanted to take it. And I was it's so gross. <laughs> it is. It's so gross. And like what, what makes it even more gross is like low key vocation track had all the like legit electives, like vocation track. There was like a, there was like a, there was like, um, like a beauty elective you could take. And then I could have finally learned how to freaking cornrow my own hair in beauty track, but I wasn't allowed to take it because. Oh, you don't know how to cornrow? I know. And I don't. Isn't that like, I know how to braid. I can box, I can like, I can box braid your hair and I know how to like, I know how to twist and I know how to box braid like with extensions, but I don't know how to cornrow my own hair. And it really, it hurts me. Look at the system just holding a black woman back. The, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And like they taught that because I would always see the girls. I would see the girls in the hallway with the like little doll heads and they'd be cornrowed. So like they teach you how to like basically do hair. And I was like, oh, that and I could have I could have used that in college. Like that would have been so helpful because I could have like had a business on the side and like made ass tons of money. To right. pay for school. Like, I am really upset about it, actually. <laughs> Still. I, too, am upset. Um, <laughs> um, so, so that whole thing is to say that, like, I did have home ec, but, like, it's part of a racist system. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. I think, I I remember someone else saying something like that. Like, shops, like, like classes like welding, wood shop, home ec, were all reserved for certain kids, like the kids deemed less intelligent, um, um, like to uh, not smart enough to take, you know, calculus or physics or whatever the hell. Listen, Um, I I gladly traded trigonometry in my senior year for like beauty class or home ec or something that I, something that like was valuable. I mean, I took AP physics as an elective because home ec wasn't available. <laughs> like, at all. My school didn't offer it, period. Um, my sister took it when she was, like, a freshman or a sophomore in high school. But, like, her school had the IB program. Mm-hmm. If you're in the IB program, you can take whatever electives you want so far as you take your core classes. You just have to make sure that you take the core classes to patch an um, international baccalaureate exam. Um, but So she was able to take it, but, like... I went to three different high schools and the two that I spent the most time at did not offer home ec period. That's crazy. See, TV set me up. TV set me up. Ooh, I just set me up for a fall. Set, set me up for a fall. Um, my last high school did offer a nursing program, which was cool, but I was too, I was, it was too late for me to join it. Like you get in the school and as a freshman, you join the nursing program, and in four years, when you graduate with your high school diploma, you also graduate as an RN. <gasps> that is, ooh, what? 
Yes, girl. But that I should have said there. Nice. As well. What? Very nice. He already making this money. Already you got the. And all, I know. I'm like you're out here making bank out of high school. Yep, but um, it was too late for me. And it, what's interesting too is when I transferred to the school because I was in a a biomedical magnet at my first high school. When I got to this one, they put me in a pre-engineering magnet. Like none of the girls in the nursing program were in the magnet program. <laughs> and I'm just like, y'all really wasting your time with AP chemistry. You're probably not going to use that. You should have just joined the nursing program. The hell? That's wild. Listen, but- if you can do it, kids, even if you have no interest in medicine, you you never know when you might be hard up on money and you're too broke to go back to school. Well, no, that's very true. That's so, that's so real. Like, that's so real. Um, And nursing is like it. Like, you... um you make the bank is incredible. Like you can really, you can really give yourself like a really good life being a nurse. Get join the program. Keep your license current. That's my advice for the kids today. Um, Um, same. (laughs) That's my advice for the kids. Um, so what do we think of season two? Good, bad, or basic? Season two is great. I loved, uh, playing hooky. And then I also loved single white female. Oh yeah. The single single white white teenager. teenager. Yeah, I forgot about that episode. But that was like our our cultural appropriation episode before cultural appropriation was a term. Right. Before we before we could had like the the language to talk about it. We we um this basically, you know, Rachel Dolezal basically got her whole like idea from this episode. And she was like, that could be me. Really and truly. We love it. Um but, well, actually, what we hate, what she's doing. But we love this episode. Um, <laughs> all right. So season three. Now, season three was their first, one of their first, like, very long um, seasons. Season three was 22 episodes long. And it was their first season on the WB. And the twins are sophomores this season. And so we kind of get into them, you know, they're past that transition phase of high school. They're in it now. And um, we see other classes that I never got to take, including auto shop and wood shop. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, like. So I would have definitely taken an auto shop if they had it, just so I could learn to fix a car. Because people would be complaining about the cost of an oil change. And I'm like, I wish I knew how to do that. <laughs> Same. And it's like, and I feel like YouTube is not sufficient enough of an education <laughs> to know. Um yeah, season three, though. Season three is great. We have, uh, I guess, one of the hallmarks of Black sitcoms is, like, other extremely famous Black people show up. That's just, like, the rule. If you have a Black sitcom, like, on somewhere, somehow, sometime, like, you, other really famous, prominent Black people have to show up uh, for, for your Black sitcom to really be a Black sitcom. And, um... We have that in Ray's father, who is who shows up this season. Oh my god, Sherman Hemsley! Sherman Hemsley from the Jeffersons, uh, iconic, iconic, you know, television actor in in historic um, tele- uh, television. I don't know what else to say. You love it. Like, honestly, like, and but more than like just these famous guest stars, it was kind of a thing in the 90s for, you know, to get other famous sitcom actors on your show, right? Um, yeah. Um, 
And besides having Sherman Hemsley on the show, there are a few episodes where someone's calling Lisa, but they're calling her Sandra. Like, Sandra? Sandra, is that you? And referencing her 227 character. Right. Um, um, but having him as Grandpa Campbell, Ray's dad, was really, really interesting. Um, Sherman Hemsley basically played the same characters between the Jeffersons and Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he kind of channeled that character in the the Grandpa Campbell character, except just shadier, right? Right. Um, Grandpa Campbell, aka Soupy, is always getting in some mess. Um, he's like a compulsive gambler, right? Right. And then we find out that's why they call him Soupy, not because his last name is Campbell, but because he's always in hot water. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm just like, I mean, he's clearly not that bad at it. <laughs> The gambling, I mean, but um, it's clearly not a career. Um, it's not something that you should be doing with your life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's got a problem. But it's nice to see characters like this. And I think Black sitcoms of this time period, too, were the last time where we could introduce a family member who was an imperfect person. Not a criminal or anything, just like someone who doesn't have their shit all the way together. And... Instead of, like, using this person as, like, um, a cautionary tale, we can just accept them that that's the way they are. Right. And there's, it's, I mean, the episode's really lovely. And, I mean, he, he'll show up again. But it's it's lovely because Ray, there is, like, a moment between him and Ray. And Ray sort of is like, I forgive you for, or Ray doesn't say I forgive you. But Ray basically is like, I, I accept you for the person that you are. Um because we find out really that this sort of Rolling Stone lifestyle is something that has always been a thing for him. And, and Ray sort of had to endure it through childhood. Um, and it made him sort of feel insecure in a lot of ways. And like we see like Ray get like like super stressed out when he comes to visit because he's like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Um, and And we'll see this further conclude like in the Christmas episode. Um, when he comes back again, I think, and yeah, uh, and he's in, and, um, he's, he's in hot water so badly that like (laughs) the girls have to give uh, their Christmas money that they've been saving for the whole year to like a mobster to make sure that like, um, Soupy doesn't, you know, get like his knees breaked, broken by the mob. Right. And getting your knees broken at any age is a bad thing, I'm guessing. <laughs> at that age. <laughs> oh, that's so hard to come by. Just a note about the Christmas episode. I love, like, Tia, like, their outfit. Uh, I want that. If anybody knows where I can find that, let a bitch know. Um, this, like, little, like, Santa dress she's wearing is so cute. Like, I need it. That's all. Just putting it out there it in the world. It was the cutest outfit. And I just want to put out, put it out there that they did it before Destiny's Child. See the inspiration? Look at the impact. The impact. The <laughs> the, the influence. Right, right. I mean, Tia and Tamara were, were household names and pretty big names for a long, long, long time. Even now, people make Tia Tamara references. Doja Cat has a song called Tia Tamara. Right. <laughs> um, um, but... This season, um, you know, uh, something happens to Lisa that really only ever happens to white people on TV. She gets an unexpected inheritance. 
Yes! <laughs> and then Ray, of course, being practical and knowing that she's a great designer and a great seamstress, is like, yo, open your dream. Get your own store. Do what you got to do. Um, but, you know, Lisa's been poor for a long time. And sometimes when people have been poor for a long time, they don't make the best decisions with, with a lot of money given to them all at once. <laughs> That's a great episode. I think that was episode four, History a la carte. You know, there's a Halloween episode. There's a science fair episode. Science fair episodes of sitcoms are also always good. Always good. <laughs> <laughs> this season is when um, Lisa and Terrence eventually break up because he is cheating on her. We hate to see it. But I like the fact that it wasn't just like a one-off relationship or a couple episodes. Terrence was a supporting character from seasons one through three when they eventually break up. I like the fact that they didn't just like saddle her with the first major relationship we saw on screen. Lisa dated around. Late uh, Ray dated around, right? Everybody tried to get their bearings insofar as the dating world. Um, um, private school, another great episode. Tia gets accepted to a boarding school this season. But of course... Oh, yeah, that's a good episode. It. Yeah, it's a good episode. Tamara doesn't, so she has to choose between going to this private school or staying with her sister. Um, we get another episode with Soupy. Because um, the first time we see Soupy was in episode five, Grandpa Campbell. But then we see him again in episode 12, Christmas. Yeah, he almost gets, like, got by the mob. Because mm, he hasn't learned a damn thing. Um, <laughs> episode 13, Double Date. Double Date episodes are always really great on sitcoms, but I think they're particularly better when you're dealing with twins. Paper or Plastic, episode 17, when um, the other workers on, at Terrence's grocery store go on strike. Yes, Paper or Plastic. Sister, sister said workers' rights. Workers' rights. And, of course, Terrence tried to finagle his relationship with Lisa as a ploy to get the, the girls to stand with him instead of the, the, their other co-workers, right? Right. Right. Um... We get another episode with with Susie, with Soupy, uh, Grandpa Campbell, episode 19, Summer Bummer. This episode was really great. Um, and it's also directed by Jack A. So, love it. Love, love that. Uh, yeah, Summer Bummer is funny. <laughs> like, she, Tamara is like a camp counselor, but she's, like, terrible at it. <laughs> um, we also see uh, Smart Guys Jason Weaver in that episode which is so cute mm. it's cool to it's, see all of the smart guy kid people like show up on the show i thought putting jason weaver in that summer boomer episode was really really smart because if you guys are old enough to remember this jason weaver was once in a movie called summertime switch where he switched places with a wealthy kid for the summer and i thought it was cool to do to have him in that episode when tia's basically faking her personality the entire summer <laughs> oh yeah because it's like it's like a callback to the movie. Yeah, that's cute. That's clever. Um, yeah, the, the the season was really well. And it closed with a guest appearance from Mr. Casey Kasem. If you guys don't remember who Casey Kasem is, before there was uh, Ryan Seacrest, Casey Kasem used to host the Top 40 and Top 100 countdown on the radio. Oh, also Fred Willard shows up again you know i now that we're watching all these sitcoms back i realize like fred willard has been in like a lot of black shit like he's just been a lot of black people shit 
So I guess that's why black people have like a real affinity for him. Yeah, it's like even if you don't know who he is, or even if you weren't cognizant of the character he was playing, we've just seen him so many times. He's just absorbed in our subconscious. Subconscious, now. yeah. He's I guess he's I guess he's like that one white actor. There's always one. There's always one white actor that is just that like is all across like black media for like periods, certain periods of time. Right, right, right. And listen, you got to go where the money is. Um, he got bills too. <laughs> listen, like I said, I have like a lot of theories about that. I, I think, I legitimately think just a lot of white actors feel like they're too good to be in black stuff. But um, I guess like special shout outs to the ones that are just like, listen, it's a check. I'm just trying to cash with this check. Right, right. Um, and listen, you're not too good for black television, actually. You're not too good. Um, you really aren't. Like... A note to the actors out there you are seriously not too good like let me tell you and when it comes to sitcoms black people the power of nostalgia that nostalgia has over us is compelling that's why there are more black sitcoms and syndication than than traditionally white ones yeah no that's that's real um so you can keep cashing that check for a long time to come many more years to come right that residual check is gonna be is gonna be it um, but yeah. So what do we think of season three? Good, bad, or basic? Season three was, uh, I liked it. It was, it was another season that I just really liked. It's not that it doesn't stand out, but like, it's, you know, the girls are getting older. The episodes with Soupy, are, I think, stand out to me definitely because of this dynamic, because of the dynamic that ends up happening between the adults and, and their family and, and how that, um, changes them that's interesting um i love paper or plastic mostly because i was shocked that like a show like was that like there's a there was an episode of a tv show that was just so unabashedly pro-union like um you don't get that a lot anymore i mean you don't i mean i don't i can't think you of sure a don't. show <laughs> even in the 90s i can't think of a show that that's like that like that has an episode that's like that. Um, Fresh Prince doesn't have one. Moesha doesn't have one. I don't think the Parkers has one. Um, Boy Meets World certainly didn't have one, but a show that was just so like unions are good, pro union, <laughs> like work, like capitalism is kind of a joke. Like those don't exist. So um, that really stood out for me. Uh, but. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's good. Yeah, I thought the season was good as well. Um, I did feel that shift at, because, like you said, the twins are getting older. But I didn't feel the shift as they moved from one network to the other, which I thought was really good. That that was impressive to me because it felt like it was still on the same network for the most Definitely. part. Definitely. They, they keep the same tone. I would say that the only thing that feels different when they make, when they make the hop to the WB is, like, there does seem to be, like, a better quality of, like, the, um, of how it's, of how the show is shot. Like, and the quality of, of the, of how everything looks. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely true. Um, but yeah, season three, I agree. I thought that was a good season. I, I like season two. I, out of the first three seasons, season two is my favorite because it's a little bit kookier. A, a few more schemes thrown here and there, but 
um, Sherman Hemsley and the other guest stars really elevated season three. I'm not going to lie. I agree. I, I totally agree with that, actually. It allowed some, I think, more complex writing and more, like, exploration of different relationships to happen. Um, happen. And that's why I really like it. I, I mean, season three just, to me, stand, stands out in a way that season four through seven won't, in that um, it really, it's not that it's tackling heavier subjects, but it I think it is, like, thinking about relationships in a more complex way than I think the rest of the seasons will. Right. With that. I totally agree with that. But yeah, overall, this was a great season. I, I have to give this sitcom as well as all the others we've reviewed up until this point um serious credit for keeping the theme consistent and keeping the growth of their characters steady um i do think that that's something that our writers in the drama and action department could really stand to um pay attention to And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the first half of Sister Sister good, bad, basic, and memorable. If you'd like to check out this hilarious series, Sister Sister is currently streaming on Netflix. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be continuing our recap of Sister Sister and sharing our thoughts on the half of this landmark series. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic content and want more become a show producer and patron on patreon you can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material until next time bye